Good morning, everyone, and welcome from Bavaria to the culture, where we talk about the things. And we're going to begin our series on the great director Robert Altman and why Robert Altman matters by looking at his seminal anti-Western, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which came out in 1971. We'll talk more about Altman's biography later, but today I want to talk about his style, and you're going to see that despite his attacking every genre known to man stylistically, he was very, very consistent, even as thematically he was restless. And I, and I like that. That's very similar to my life. Uh, stylistically, I'm very interested in almost everything, as is Altman. Uh, he was born in 1925 and died in 2006, so lived a long life. Um, he came to fame rather late, though. MASH, his big hit in 1970, uh, was his first great success in film. Up to then, he'd made a career as a solid director on in the television scene and learned his craft there. But he was 35, um, quite late in the day to be seen as a great director. And uh, a bit like Raymond Chandler, and he'll actually have... he'll. he'll be the cinematic voice for Chandler in The Long Goodbye, which we'll look at next week. But like Chandler, he came to fame rather late and as a fully formed veteran who knew his craft. The MASH was a great surprise hit in 1970, and it gave him the juice to make McCabe and Mrs. Miller in 1971, writing off the success of MASH. Uh, Altman, again, nominated five times as best director. He never won. Uh, during his lifetime, afterwards posthumously uh, given a lifetime award as an Oscar for the body of the work. And in the end, that's what matters. Certainly, I say that all the time to my younger analysts. It's a bit like baseball, what we do, or being a director, or anything creative. It's not about having one good season. It's about the career home run record. Anybody can have one good season. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, but, 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 but one good season. What's more interesting is Babe Ruth. Can you consistently be excellent over a long period of time? And that's what Altman managed to do. Five-time Academy Award nominee and a key figure of the new Hollywood era. New Hollywood came in in the late 60s and went on to, say, the early 80s. Think of Scorsese, Spielberg, uh, people like that. And, and then add in Altman to the, to the mix, um, and you've got an idea of what's going on. Friedkin, uh, William Friedkin, who just died, is another key member of New Hollywood. Peace, 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 peace. People had grown up seeing Cahiers du Cinema, the kind of Godard Truffaut films in, in, over in Europe, and, for, and Italian masters as well, like Visconti and Antonioni and Fellini, and, we're move, and Bergman, certainly, where movies are an extension of the director's vision, that the movie is about the director as painter. As Steve Jobs said, to Steve Wozniak, you're the greatest coder in the world and you play first violin, but I'm the one who plays the orchestra. The director is seen in this kind of view as playing the orchestra. The vision is his, not mainly the writers, not mainly the actors. The vision is the director's. And New Hollywood, Scorsese and Spielberg and Friedkin and Altman really you know, identify with this and push this into the into the scene. They also destroy the studio studio system that that Altman was gleefully and famously, and I love this about him, anti-Hollywood, an independent filmmaker who refused to sell out, refused, refused to make movies he didn't want to make and didn't care that much if they were commercial. They had to do well enough to give him freedom, but beyond that, it was the work that mattered, and I love that about him. And that's, in fact, why McCabe and Mrs. Miller's Gets Made in 1971 
um, after the success of MASH. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have been made. I mean, as Altman described it, it's an anti-Western. What Altman's going to do in the years ahead is he's going to take well-loved American archetypes like detective stories, like Westerns, uh, and he's going to subvert them. He's going to show that he loves them, understands their structure, and then turn their structure on its head. And this is a satire about Hollywood and the establishment himself. Whereas the newest, whereas eventually Friedkin to a lesser extent, certainly Scorsese, Spielberg become the new establishment. They storm the gates of the old studio system and subvert it by taking it over. Altman says that's still selling out. You've got to go your own way. And McCabe and Mrs. Miller is really his declaration of independence. Again, it's a subversive anti-Western using satire. And he remained resolutely an independent filmmaker in essence for the rest of his career. He never does go into the studio system, which he sees as the devil. He's fascinated by institutions and even more subverting them. Um, one of the things that Altman will do beyond this kind of subversive general independent film ethos is that throughout, actors loved him and loved working for him because he encouraged them to improvise. He would have only the barest of scripts and would encourage them to flesh out their own characters along with him. So it was a very collaborative process between intelligent actors and Altman coming up with making something deeper and more real. And he'd go in famously without much dialogue and say, you know, make your character deeper, flesh it out, make it more interesting. And intelligent actors, and, and they would throng to him, uh, love to improvise with them. And ensemble cast to individual looks. He's kind of the anti-Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, David Lean's classic, which is all of you know I adore. I wrote a biography about the man after all. But David Lean's classic, for all that it's grand, is really a character study, a psychological study of one man. Altman would have hated that. Altman cared about the ecosystem. He was much more interested in the, in the society, the jungle, rather than individual animals within the jungle. He wanted to know what the jungle actually looked like, what it smelled like, how it sounded. That's what interested Altman. The world as it is actually lived rather than individuals within it. And that's quite a unique and radical approach. And we're going to see that up front in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. He would often have overlapping dialogue. He's kind of the Chekhov of, um, of modern directors. And by that, I mean Chekhov famously would have plays where people would be giving speeches and then say, oh, I've lost my train of thought like a normal human being. And people would talk over each other, up each other. And people would go off message like normal humans when they talk, as opposed to well-formed movie scripts. And this overlapping dialogue led to, you know, Altman becoming, like Chekhov, a naturalist. He wanted things to be real and natural. And of course, in the real world, people do lose their train of thought and do talk over each other and do change the meaning and do subvert what other people are saying. And so you have to pay an awful lot of attention to an Altman film. In fact, they're really great films to watch over and over. There are clues in them, and you may miss them the first time because it's hard to hear, like in real life. And I love that. It's real. That's how things really are, as opposed to a, a bowed up movie script with this lovely present in front of you. It takes time to unwrap it. And I think that's great. And again, he loved, loved, loved to subvert genres. And here, 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 he subverts the Western. We're going to look at The Long Goodbye next, his interesting failure, I would argue, but where he subverts the detective story rather brilliantly. But we'll look at that. Um, in 1971, though, he's made this, he's, again, he's 36. Like Chandler, he's come to fame late. He manages to get Warren Beatty and Julie Christie, two of the hottest stars in the world at the time, 
um, to sign on to his script. Christie, of course, is the luminous Julie Christie, uh, breathtaking, certainly, um, and an incredibly intelligent actress is just coming off Zhivago and her great success in the David Lean film. He, 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 he gets them interested in doing McCabe and Mrs. Miller, his Annie Western, which is filmed in British Columbia in the fall and winter of 1970. Uh, the film premieres in June 71. So they move at a fairly good pace. Um, Christie's nominated yet again. She keeps her winning streak going as Mrs. Miller, the Cockney brothel owner in the film. Uh, she's nominated for Best Actress for her performance here, which is excellent. Um, and really, in a big way, the big idea behind this film, it reminds me of the great TV, one of my favorite TV shows ever, certainly top three, which is basically in the end, like Altman, about a big idea, the coming of civilization and how that really works. Not how it works in some sort of Western mythos of Gary Cooper in High Noon, the lone gunman coming out and trying to restore law and order in a barbarous world so school moms can safely go to teach and ministers can set up churches and the bank can run, but how civilization actually came to the Western society. Of course, it's a lot more messy than that, but that's a very interesting thing that he does. So what's the plot? The mysterious gambler, played by an excellent Beatty, never better, subverting, um, as does Altman, Beatty here is subverting his movie star leading man kind of grandeur, one of the great leading men of his era, and Beatty's never been better, making his character a bit of a buffoon, uh, and certainly someone who's overrated and plays that, rides that way to his destruction. But the mysterious gambler John McCabe arrives uh, in a boom town. Presbyterian Church is the name of the town in Washington. It's called that because the only building of any significance is a little used clapboard Presbyterian church. And he arrives at the boom town, uh, to, and he soon takes charge of it. Uh, due to both his charisma, the fact that he's witty and sharp-witted, uh, that he has agency, whereas the other inhabitants don't seem to, and the muscle is that there are rumors that he's not just some new stranger to town, but he's actually the notorious gunfighter Pudgy McCabe. And so this mix of charm and menace makes McCabe soon the most important man in town. And he marshals the other people in town. He encourages them to set up their businesses. He sets up a gambling saloon and along with Mrs. Miller establishes a brothel. There's a tannery. There's a blacksmith shop. There's a hotel. He encourages the other people of the town to do well along with him. And this is, of course, the opposite of the kind of lone, heroic, uh, Western kind of ethos of rugged individualism. This is about building a society, and McCabe is incredibly good at this. And the first half of the film is really fascinating. McCabe encouraging the others in Presbyterian Church to set up their business to, 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 to grow together, a very collectivist approach rather than an individual one, a, 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 an approach not socialistic, more Burke. I mean, it's on the right in an interesting way. It's Burke. It's about society. Society is what matters. God's little battalions, as Burke put it, or what matter, rather than the state or rather than large outside forces, it's the local organic indigenous society that matters. And McCabe is essential in helping to build this. Again, they establish a brothel very quickly and not entirely clearly. Constance Miller, a cockney, uh, to have worked, whether she does or not, we don't really know, um, in San Francisco, shows up on the scene and begins to clean up the town's act. She, make, she, she makes sure the prostitutes wash, that the men who are, who are their customers do. 
uh, that everything is proper. She says to McCabe, let's go into business together in the brothel and you worry about the gambling saloon. And if McCabe is running the town, Mrs. Miller very quickly is running McCabe. And so there's a feminist aspect to the film as well, that Mrs. Miller is, is an equal, if not superior, to McCabe. They, they quickly um, have a very fin financially successful partnership, and a romantic relationship begins, although when they sleep together, Mrs. Miller still insists that McCabe pay for it, meaning she wants to retain her autonomy and her independence even though she's very fond of him. And that is a very interesting archetype for a woman here. Again, it's not the norm. It's not, as in Western, so often passive Madonna figure in the corner uh, who the men are fighting over, but sit there not very involved in life. Mrs. Miller has agency, and that makes her a very interesting character. But soon, of course, this little paradise, local paradise, like a in good independent bookstore, this is too good to be true. And... Agents arrive on the scene from the Harrison Shaughnessy Mining Company, and they want to buy McCain out. And the Harrison Shaughnessy Company, all throughout Washington State, has been buying out the successful local interest, if not excessive price, and taking over and um, making, in a monetary way, a unity of the area. In effect, they're the Amazon of things. If McCabe is the local bookstore, the Harrison Shaughnessy Mining Company they're the Amazon of the process, and they're going to make everything the same in a monochrome kind of way, and, and that's going to be the future. And, of course, unknown, un unseen is the threat that the Harrison Shaughnessy Mining Company, if you don't accept their offer, they're going to kill you. So, again, the, 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 there's this surface and beneath it the tension of, of coercion that's going on. Well, McCabe blows his big moment. Again, it's, it's a great scene with Beatty. He goes in overly confident overcompensating for what's going on. He asks for too much money. They ask if they can drive the price down. They counter once. He asks for even more money, and in disgust, they go away. So he's blown his chance at being a high-level capitalist, which is a really... And of course, they say as they leave that they're never going to ask again. Well, McCabe consults with Mrs. Miller and realizes he's made a mistake, and so he goes to a lawyer to try to protect himself. The lawyer assures him all will be well. All, of course, will not be well. And then he goes, to, when three new guys come to town, three hired guns who are set to kill McCabe, he makes them a counteroffer, much lower, much more reasonable, but he's missed his moment. The window is over. And so they say, no way. We're here to finish you off. We don't make counteroffers. Um, they refuse. And, and, and they know, by the way, they say at the end, which is a brilliant scene when they say no arrogantly, the three then say, we know you're not a gunfighter, that because you have the same surname, McCabe, as Pudgy McCabe, you've traded off his fame, but we know that you're not a gunfighter. And this is sort of the gats of, of, of McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I love that Altman subverts things using American organic texts, that he's a quintessentially American filmmaker. And here he takes Gatsby, the idea that capitalism and great wealth, that you make it up as you go along, that McCabe has ridden the wave of being this guy that he's not. Um, and he's not this famous gunfighter, Pudgy McCabe. He's just another guy who's used the name. He's used it to his advantage. And now, of course, it's going to get him because they know that he's just made this up as he goes along, a lot like Gatsby, who was a front for the mafia at the gamblers. Well, at this very moment that, that there's a crisis coming from McCabe, a lantern fire starts in the church, which is still the main building in town. And here you see the tragedy of the film, and it's brilliantly done by Altman. It's not directly mentioned at all. It's only elliptically discussed. 
Uh, a lantern fire threatens the Presbyterian church and catching, of course, all the other buildings in town. Fire out in the West was a great peril that if one building, they're all made of wooden clapboard. If one building catches fire, they all will soon catch fire. But of course, McCabe has encouraged the townspeople, low, 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 local institutions, again, back to Burkean organic kind of society. And one of the things they've set up, and they've made this clear along the way, is they've set up a fire station, that there's a volunteer fire department. Well, sure enough, the volunteer fire department comes out, the townspeople that McCabe has rallied into becoming a society come out, and they heroically set about hand-to-hand, bucket-to-bucket, it's a brilliant scene, putting the fire out. Of course, as they're doing it, the three gunmen are stalking McCabe, are stalking Warren Beatty. And the interesting thing here, that just as you have this, you, you have two the Western archetype is subverted twice. On one hand, it isn't the individual who saves the town, Gary Cooper in High Noon shooting down the bad guys on his own, or the Earp brothers in, in Shootout at the OK Corral, Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster going after the McClowries and the Clampets. You, 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 you have a society welded together at a local level by McCabe, functioning now organically on its own, bucket to bucket and hand to hand, putting out the fire and saving the church. At the very moment, the second bit of subversion is that you don't have this gunfight in the middle of the street like a Sergio Leone film. Instead, you have three guys stalking one guy hiding behind buildings. There's no middle of the street, high noon, kind of nightly daring do. Rather, it's a bunch of guys hiding behind anything they can, coming up another, 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 another in the back. It's totally unheroic. It's utilitarian and very effective and very unheroic. And that's how the real West really was, Altman suggests. So this goes on. McKay manages to kill two of the gunmen, uh, though the second one, the kid, wounds him. And then Butler, another of the gunmen, shoots McCabe just as he shoots Butler. So McCabe and Butler end up shooting each other and dying. McCabe's slightly away from the scene and with no one noticing because of the fire in the snow, even as Mrs. Miller, heartbroken that she has to start over yet again, and yes, mourning McCabe in her own rather unique way, is in an opium den seeking solace, even as the town itself has gone on to save itself and prosper. And this is often true in history, and really the tragedy of the story of McCabe and Mrs. Miller, that the town, Presbyterian Church, Washington, thrives, even as the two people who put it on the road to success meet with death and tragedy. And that is how history really works, it seems to me, very often. And it rings true. And that's why I love this film very much, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, perhaps the greatest anti-Western ever made. Uh, again, subverted in every level, level, atypical of Westerns, but nonetheless, nonetheless great for that. Again, three things. The showdown is totally subversive, along with the salvation of the town, uh, subverting the Gary Cooper norm westerns. The myths are untrue, which is great. That the backstory of Wyatt Earp absolutely true. He was at Dodge City. You know, this is an important part of his life. He then goes to Tombstone. Um, you know, he'd been on the California or the Kansas Gold, uh, Cowtown scene. Then goes to Arizona. All true. Here, all untrue. He's not. Pudgy McCabe, it's all made up. You're living off the mythos, and so much of America, as F. Scott Fitzgerald knew, is mythos, and Altman plays along to that, like the McCabe backstory. And most importantly, and probably most interestingly, the ecosystem that is going to characterize all 
of Altman's work. He's more interested in the jungle than the jungle creatures. Means that in the end, that the the salvation of the ecosystem is what matters. Individuals. And as you see the film, it's very interesting, particularly in the first half of it, that McCabe and Mrs. Miller are just the two most interesting people in the town, but you don't follow their story any more than others. They are merely a thread in the tapestry of the ecosystem. They're merely two jungle animals, very interesting jungle animals, within the entirety of the ecosystem. It's the ecosystem that matters. It's society in a Burkean way that matters. And individuals comprise it. They're the two most interesting, but there are all kinds of other characters whose threads come in and out, like a symphony. They're little motif that go through the entire thing. Sometimes they're they're fleshed out, sometimes they're not, but we see the totality of the building of the town and of society in these million little pointless dots. The other thing that's very interesting is that really this hangs together, this very loose tale, very daring to do it this way, with three Leonard Cohen songs, which are wonderful. Cohen, in 1967, becomes the famous poet that he now is, and Altman loves him, plays the first album, as he said, until the grooves run out, um, and then Sisters of Mercy and The Stranger Song all come together, and they form really the Greek chorus that unites and keeps the whole thing going. Altman uses music here, the brilliant music of Leonard Cohen, in a mournful way, so that you know this isn't going to end happily, and you know it from the music and from Leonard Cohen, these beautiful, articulate, somber reflections on what life is about. Uh, the Stranger Song, Sisters of Mercy, and Winter Lady, and that's another rather unique point going forward here. Uh, again, he's much more interested, famously, we'll get to Gosford Park, where famously Altman, in the end, he, he doesn't care who commits the murder in a murder mystery. It's merely the ecosystem that fascinates him. So he kind of gives up, in the end, famously, on who commits the murder. The plot of Altman is not the point. It's always the atmosphere. And there's nothing more atmospheric than McCabe and Mrs. Miller, where a pointless dot by pointless dot, he builds the picture of what the West must really have been like, and that's absolutely brilliant. And it's 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 a feeling you get from the film. It's not thinking; it's a feeling. It's an atmosphere, and no one does feeling an atmosphere better than Robert Altman. And he does it by bravely saying, "In the case of what I'm doing, the plot isn't the point. It's the feeling and the atmosphere." At the time, the film did it, it, it was reissued, and Beatty really championed it. The first initial outpouring of the film didn't do well. Beatty had them reissue it. It did okay, if not great. Reviews at first were tepid. Then, 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 then Pauline Keel of the New York Times and some other weekly and monthly reviews came in who said, championed the film and said it was fantastic. So the reviews got better as they went. And now, looking back, almost everyone can see what Altman did. McCabe and Mrs. Miller is nothing less than a classic. And I commend you to watch it over the next week. I just did, which was great fun when I was home in Milan. And I commend you to watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller and keep up with one of the greatest directors who ever lived. And this is why the ecosystem is why Robert Altman matters. Enjoy McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Take care, everyone. Please do subscribe, as so many of you have. And again, please do give us the $70 we're asking so I can keep the culture ones coming beyond the other things we do. For realism is to defend our culture from the world, but we must much more than the college kids do value and champion Western culture as the greatest that ever existed. And I've got to say, Altman is part of the reason for that. 
So everybody have a great weekend. I'll see you back next week as I take the Hercule Poirot Express, recross the Alps to the south to Milan, and I ought to be home very, very late on Saturday. Have a late Valentine's with Sarah on Sunday, and I'll be up and at him and at your service on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend and enjoy the great Warren Beatty and the luminous and highly intelligent actress, Julie Christie. Take care.